Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest voxcasting either side of the breach. On today's episode, we meet Cornelius Bass and his daughter Bernadette, who came to Malifaux to escape trouble on the American frontier. But trouble has a way of catching up with you, and the Guild is extremely adept at taking advantage of people in trouble. I hope you enjoy part one of a warm welcome, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by Crockett's Guiding Service. If you're looking for an experienced guide to lead you through Malifaux's hinterlands, you can count on Crockett and Ralphie. They know Malifaux like the backs of their hands, from the Badlands to the Bayou. Nobody knows Malifaux like Crockett, except maybe the Neverborn, but you can't trust them. Takuda. The guild guards shoved Cornelius and Bernadette down a generic-looking hall, through a thoroughly ordinary door, and into a run-of-the-mill office with beige walls and a musty smell. Iron handcuffs bit into Cornelius' wrists as his swiftly swelling eye began to obstruct his vision. Bernadette shrugged her shoulder and wiped a trickle of blood from the corner of her mouth. She glared at the guards around them. The stubborn defiance set to her chin told Cornelius that she was still looking for a fight. He eyed the guards' peacebringers, counting them. He then coldly squinted at his daughter, as if to say, don't even think about it. Those guild cronies surrounded us, she hissed. Draw words before fist next time, he murmured. Her eyes flashed with rage. Are you taking their side? Of course he wasn't, but there was a lesson here. Cornelius felt a headache begin to build behind his eyes. Before Cornelius could answer, a bald, brawny man in a guild commander's uniform entered the room. From his thick, furrowed brow to his stubborn chin, he looked more like a lawbreaker than a law upholder. Cornelius immediately didn't like him. In exasperation, the commander dragged a meaty hand down his face as he took in the unpacked chests and crates that lined the office. Then he looked over at the guards and narrowed his eyes. Dismissed. The guild guards left, their boots stomping against the wood floors. The commander produced a key from his pocket and unlocked their handcuffs, dropping them to the floor with a metallic thud. Finally, Bernadette rubbed at her wrists. The huge man seated himself behind his desk and steepled his fingers in front of him, trying to compose himself, but looking more like an imposter. 
He stared at them for a long moment in silence. Name's Dashiell Barker, Sheriff Bass. Not a sheriff, Cornelius replied. Not anymore. Bernadette glared. Why'd you arrest us anyway? Dashiell shrugged his massive shoulders, an oddly apathetic gesture on someone who seemed so purposeful. With your history, could have done a lot more. He stared coldly at Bernadette. I was notified of your arrival. You attacked your escort. The arrest was your own doing. Bernadette bared her teeth at his tone. You prefer prison? Dashiell asked. Notified by whom? Cornelius growled. Someone you don't defy. The man glanced at a bottle of the most expensive bourbon Cornelius had ever laid eyes on. Bernadette crossed her arms and sneered. That's good stuff. Who'd you have to kill for it? A smirk crossed Dashiell's face for one brief moment. He almost began to mentally count just how many. Cornelius just stared. Commander Barker met his eyes, his expression turning serious once again. You've got a reputation, Bass, and that reputation got our attention. He adjusted in his chair. Think you two can behave yourselves this side of the breach? You play nice, and I might have work for you. Not interested in a guild job, the former sheriff informed the commander. It was bound to be too messy. We're here as regular citizens. Like to keep it that way. Not an option, Dashiell replied. Bernadette scowled. Dashiell continued. Despite your recent actions, you understand order. What it requires. Cornelius didn't flinch. I understand the value of the law. Order is what I'm after. Something the guild lacks in contract towns these days. Now, before you turn us down and we send you back Earthside to fend for yourselves, look at... Barker's face fell, and he sighed as he began to dig through several stacks of files. His hands didn't seem accustomed to office work, especially if the combat calluses Cornelius had spotted meant anything. The massive commander paced the floor, opening and closing drawers and lifting stacks of papers before finally pulling a dossier out of a cabinet. Leaving through it, he ran his finger down the pages and squinted at the ink. Something didn't fit. Commander Barker was not the bureaucratic type. That much was clear. Why not impose order yourself? Bass asked. The huge man lifted one shoulder as he focused on the pages in his hands. I would. I am. More behind this desk these days, but there's a lot to go around. Cornelius crossed his arms, mirroring Bernadette's pose. You miss it? Sure, Dashiell replied. But I have duties here. Obligations. Aha, found it. Dashiell pulled two sheets of paper from his file and handed them to Cornelius. Bernadette leaned over to peer at the papers. She sucked in a breath. Pardons? Seriously? Only after a few years of service, Dashiell informed them. Would have been a lot sooner if you'd come quietly. 
After that, you can either stay in Malifaux or go back. Or you extradite us now, Cornelius concluded. Wait, back to America? Bernadette scowled. Dashiell nodded. Saw the wanted posters. I doubt it'll be pretty. Guild can't guarantee your safety to the train station, let alone back on the frontier. Cornelius trusted the guild as much as he trusted a bandit in a box canyon, but the pardons were real, and going back to America meant Bernadette's death. I'm in. Me too, Bernadette added. <laughs> Thought you might change your mind, Dashiell replied. He slapped the dossier on his desk and shoved it towards Cornelius as he rooted around for another file. Cornelius opened the folder. A page with his work and personal history, as well as Bernadette's, caught his eye. It was thorough, unnervingly so. The Guild had more power outside of their territories than he'd thought. Dashiell pushed a map toward them. I circled the contract towns that we want you to check in on. I'll hold on to your pardons for now. That was final. Cornelia scowled as the papers that gave them their lives back vanished into yet another folder. Anything else we need to know? Cornelius asked. Paul Crockett's your guide. Dashiell's chair creaked as he leaned back, a forlorn look on his face. These days, you should be able to find him at the edge of the city. He's on the feral side. Pick him up on your way out of town. His face twisted in annoyance. Reichardt will meet you back here in the morning. Cornelius raised his eyebrows. Who's Reichardt? Former executioner. Early retiree. Still has to pay off some community service. He knows Breachside, and you'll need his help. But tiny contract towns? Bernadette chuckled, incredulous. I think we can handle a few unhappy workers. Dashiell turned toward her with a scowl. I suggest you do not take this place lightly. Uh-huh, Bernadette smirked. Bureaucrats are all the same. Breachside or Earthside don't matter. With a grumble, Dashiell replied. You and Reichardt will get along fine. It did not sound like a compliment. With that, he turned to his work, a mountain of papers. Welcome to Malifaux. It was as clear a dismissal as anything. Father and daughter stepped out of the enclave, escorted by two of Dashiell's finest, and headed back to the street where the sun's heat was merciless. Without a word, they matched their strides and made their way into the nearest drinking house. Sitting down at a weathered wooden table, the pair ordered beers. Can you believe him? Bernadette snorted. First he puts us in a position we can't back out of. Then he thinks we need a hand to do his dirty work. He's right. What? Bernadette turned with angry eyes. We don't need anyone else. This is a different world, B. Cornelius said, pointing at the strange alien plants visible through the dingy warped glass of the tavern's window. My name is Bernadette. Also, so what? As the source of soul stones... The guild literally mined this place for magic. Who knows what's waiting for us out there, Cornelius murmured as he paged through the file again. Two mugs of foamy beer plunked down on their table. Pfft, you worry too much, old man. Don't trust the guild or this place. 
He didn't like that this lumbering, powerful breachside organization was holding his daughter's life as collateral. Oh, I don't. Bernadette pressed her lips together. You're going to be fine, Cornelius told her, his gaze serious. His daughter rolled her eyes. Of course I am. I got my toughness from Mom. A small smile tugged at Cornelius' mouth. Bernadette snorted. And don't you get all sentimental. She tapped her beer mug against his and took a swig. Let's earn those pardons, huh? Cornelius took one more look at Commander Barker's map and all the circled locations. More than anything, he hoped that this really would save Bernadette from the hangman's noose. Cornelius and Bernadette baked in the heat as they waited in front of the guild offices the next morning. Damn, this place is hot, Bernadette grumbled as she wrinkled her nose. And it's only eight in the morning. Cornelius grunted in agreement around the unlit cigar in his mouth. He swiped a trickle of sweat from his temple and gazed up at the sky. The morning sun certainly didn't look like the blazing inferno that blasted the western frontier during the summers, but it sure felt like it. Finally, the door to the offices opened with a groan, revealing a large, bald man with an angry scowl. Mechanical hands sprouted from the machinery attached to his wrists. In one hand, he carried a large suitcase. His cold eyes met Cornelius. Are you Cornelius, Bass? I am. Jonathan Reichardt. He gestured at the building behind him, a swift, sharp movement. Apparently I am to accompany you out into the wilds. Nice. Bernadette flexed her own hand as she admired Reichardt's. Just so you know, I hate guild lackeys. Reichardt's eyes burned with anger. Bernadette snapped. Funny, coming from one. Watch your tongue. Reichardt's voice lowered. Like you could make me. Bernadette clenched her hands into fists. Cornelius put a hand between the two. We've no love for the guild either. Is that right? Reichardt narrowed his eyes. That means they have something on you. Cornelius met the man's gaze and said, They have something we need. The former executioner frowned. Don't they always? Cornelius moved his cigar from one side of his mouth to the other. We'll do the work the way we see fit, not how the guild tells us to. Reichardt barked out a laugh. Who were you, Ursaid? Bernadette finally dropped her hands. This is Sheriff Cornelius Bass of the American Frontier. I'm surprised you ain't heard of him. Former Sheriff, Cornelius corrected. Despite what the guild wants, we aim to do some good in the contract towns. Bernadette added, that's the Bass way. Reichardt studied Cornelius. The stoic lawman nodded to confirm Bernadette's words. The former executioner heaved a sigh. Here's to all the lackeys like us, I suppose. He adjusted his grip on his case. Where to, Bass? You have to round up some supplies first, he answered. Then off to the edge of Malifaux. Reichardt raised an eyebrow and shrugged. Malifaux City? We're picking up our guide, Bernadette explained. Paul Crockett. Oh, Reichardt said. Him. Well after obtaining what they needed from the nearest general store, the basses stood in the hallway of a stifling, run-down boarding house. Reichardt opted to wait outside, just in case. 
The former executioner had also made sure that their carriage was down the street, and he had two full buckets of water, an axe, and a stack of bandages, just in case. I've heard he's feral, Breitkart offered. Hearing that word again did not put Cornelius at ease. The smells of cooking, too many bodies in one place, and sweat permeated the air. Bernadette inhaled. Reminds you of the frontier, doesn't it? Cornelius chuckled. Through the thin walls, every footstep, creaky board, and squeaky bed made itself known. Someone sneezed several rooms away. Just like home, Bernadette smirked. Consulting the file again, Cornelius stopped in front of a door. Remember, he's a... feral. Sounds fun. Bernadette raised her arm and pounded on the rickety wooden door. With a rusty creak, the door opened, unlocked. A bearded man in furs and fringed leather sat hunched over a small desk in his boarding room. Covering the walls were broadsides, periodical clippings, and shelves of ceramic figures and small taxidermy animals. The man eyed them warily. He held what looked like sewing pins between his lips. In his hands was a creature or combination of creatures in the process of being stuffed and posed. Mr. Crockett, Cornelius' eyes took in the room. He recognized some of the broadsides, each and every one of them depicting some gruesome crime committed in Malifaux. He narrowed his eyes. Bernadette pointed at a small scene created from earthenware. Is that depicting the Red Barn murder? She grimaced. Studying a pair of small stuffed weasels posed in what looked like an alley, she grimaced. Is that the Red Chapel murders? Good eye, the man drawled. See? She mouthed at Cornelius. Fun. I ain't feral, Crockett added. Bernadette raised one eyebrow at Cornelius. Yes, I can see that. This collection's worth a pretty penny earthside, he explained, through gritted teeth. Bernadette frowned. This stuff? Why? Cornelius looked at his progeny, whose cavalier attitude and impertinence definitely came from her mother. He cleared his throat. Barker sent us. Oh, Crockett replied. With quiet cat-like movements, he grabbed some axes and a pack. He smelled faintly of formaldehyde and pine sap. He perched a dead raccoon with desiccated eyes on top of his head, its ring tail drooping over his ear. Nice hat, Bernadette chirped. The guide pointed at his head. That's Ralphie. Obviously, Bernadette blinked. Cornelius chewed on the cigar in his mouth. Where are we taking you to? Crockett asked. We? Cornelius asked. Crockett pointed at his hat. I see, Cornelius frowned. I've seen that look before. Crockett's words came out in a rush. Trust me, I'm your best bet, except maybe a gilt pathfinder, or I guess any old Neverborn. They seem to know their way around. But you don't want to work with them. I'm much more reliable. Crockett nodded his head, his raccoon tail swinging. He pressed his lips together as though he hadn't planned on speaking, or wasn't used to it. Hmm. Bernadette leaned in and whispered, We've had worse guides. That was true. Cornelia spread the map over the floor, since all the other flat surfaces were taken. What's the most efficient route? He gestured at the wrinkled paper in front of him. Yeah, what's Ralphie think? Bernadette grinned. Don't make fun, the tall man reached up and patted his hat. Sorry, 
Bernadette replied in surprise. Crockett stared at the map. In his heavy drawl, he told them, I've started the township of Redemption, sweep around this way after. He moved his hand across the map. Won't be easy, though. Cornelius nodded. Didn't expect it to be. Reichardt met them outside the boarding house. He eyed Crockett, then put down his axe. The guy had blinked at Reichardt. We're in search of redemption. Aren't we all? Reichardt sighed. The four took the next train to Ridley. The summer heat turned the inside of the cars into ovens. Opening the windows just let in more stifling air. The aroma of baked earth overwhelmed everything else. How can you wear furs in this heat, Crockett? Bernadette asked. He took a swig of something out of a bottle and shrugged. Might get cold later. Where are we going? When? Bernadette was desperate with hope as she wiped sweat from her brow. Hopefully never, Reichardt grimaced. Bernadette groaned. Of course you love it. Cornelia studied Reichardt. The former executioner met his gaze. That ain't it, kid. The sun reached for the hazy horizon. When they arrived in Ridley, they transferred to a carriage. Crockett insisted on riding on the carriage roof, his quiet intensity finally intimidating the driver into relenting. I haven't heard anything from Redemption in a while, the carriage driver called back to them as the horses thundered toward the contract town. That's probably why we're heading there, Bernadette called back. The driver shrugged. Guild wants that pound of flesh, huh? We're not enforcers, she wrinkled her nose. Sure you're not, he replied. Before they could see the town, Crockett reached out and grabbed the driver. The boy, reins in hand, squawked out something unintelligible. Stop, Crockett ordered. Bernadette groaned. You expect us to walk in this heat? Cornelius put a hand on Bernadette's shoulder. She quieted down, but not without a dirty look. He peered up at Crockett. Jumping down from the coach's roof, the guide ambled toward a tree and pointed at a smear of blood. Following the trail into the brush, he lifted a severed arm. That's not good, Bernadette said. No, it's not, Reichardt agreed, clambering out of the carriage and hauling his large case with him. The driver was pale and staring at the appendage with wide, fearful eyes. Cornelius chewed on his cigar and observed the three locals for a moment. How much further? he asked the driver. The driver still stared blankly at the severed limb, so Crockett answered for him. Couple hours on foot. We can do that, Bass said, and slapped some of the guild script he'd found in Barker's folder into the driver's hand. Get on back. Yes, sir, the driver stuttered as he urged his horses back toward Ridley, their hoofbeats pounding away into the distance. Why aren't we taking the carriage? Bernadette wiped at her brow. Your old man's a soft touch is why, Crockett suggested. She rolled her eyes. That's the truth. We better stop walking, Cornelius replied, hefting his pack higher onto his shoulder. Crockett and the old executioner shared a knowing, troubled look. The shadows lengthened as the hot sun began to sink. What the hell? Bernadette said. She exhaled, her breath visible on the suddenly frigid air. 
Rygard squinted into the sparse vegetation around them. Is the cold normal? Cornelius asked. Nah, Crockett grunted. The basses looked at each other, equally puzzled. As they topped the rise into redemption, snowdrifts covered the ground. Crockett muttered something under his breath. Reichardt let loose with a series of curse words. What's going on here? Cornelius demanded. Nothing good, Reichardt replied. Let's see if anyone's home, Bernadette suggested, and she took off for the nearest frost-covered shack. Reichardt gave Cornelius a discouraging look. Crockett shook his head. The snow muffled all sound, making the town eerily quiet. No lights, no smell of wood smoke, no signs of life. Bernadette's fist hit the door with a hollow, lonely thud. Hello? Anyone home? she shouted. No answer. She stopped knocking after two more houses. I guess we know why no one's heard from redemption, Bernadette mumbled. Nobody's here. At that moment, the sun disappeared below the horizon. The group stared at each other in the little light that remained. We camp here tonight. Crockett's eyes darted from side to side. But not in town. Agreed. Reichardt began walking toward the scrubby tree line. He rubbed at the place on his arm where metal met skin. Watch out for cannibals, Crockett suggested. Shut up, Crockett, Bernadette shot back. A twig snapped. All eyes turned to where the sound came from. In the gloom between two nearby shacks, a small shadow moved, struggling with something heavy. This place is empty after all. Bernadette started toward it. Crockett hissed, Little devil! Rykart set down his case and began switching his metal hand for a wicked metal claw from within. Don't go near that thing. It's just a kid. What's wrong with you people? Bernadette kept moving. B, stop, Cornelius snapped. Ignoring her father, she turned her attention to the small silhouette, who was still some distance away. Hey, kid, where are your parents? A shadowy figure stopped and cocked its head in curiosity. That's right, it's okay. As Bernadette reached her hand out, her step faltered. What are you? The moon's light glinted off the child-sized creature's icy complexion. It bared its teeth and hissed. Blood covered its hands from its cargo. What is that? Bernadette whispered, jumping back. Human torso, Crockett stated. Bad shape, too. Unsalvageable. Bernadette glared at him. Not what is carrying, Crockett. What is this creature? With a metallic click, Reichard attached a bladed claw to his wrist. It's an ice garment. We should get that body away from it, Bernadette said crouching down near the small creature made of snow and ice. The little beast turned and released a blast of ice. With a gasp, Bernadette ducked to cover her face. Frost covered her coat, froze the tips of her hair and burned any exposed skin. It's not human, Cornelius yelled, pulling out his shotgun. You're sure? Not even close, Reichardt confirmed. A loud explosion tore through the air as Cornelius fired his shotgun. A scattering of ice shards glittered in the moonlight as the garment hissed and turned toward Cornelius. Out the corner of his eye, he saw Bernadette reach out for her knife with one hand 
and the chain she carried with her in the other. Leave it. Oh, no, you don't, Bernadette muttered as she swung her chain like a whip at the ice garment. Her chain made a loud, cracking sound as it made contact. The enraged ice garment lunged at her, a strange, breathless scream erupting from its mouth. In a flash, Bernadette was blocking and slashing with the large knife she favored. Every swipe chipped off more shards of ice. Cornelius took careful aim, but they were too close together. He could just as easily hit his daughter with a shotgun blast. Damn it! The garment slashed at Bernadette's torso, red blooming against her shirt. She renewed her attack with another wide swing. The chain links made contact with its knee, slowing down the still ferocious garment. With a grunt, Reichardt entered the fray, his razor-sharp claw fragmenting the garment into large pieces. I had it, Bernadette complained. It's not over yet, Reichardt snapped as he yanked Bernadette away from what was left of the corpse. She began to say something when a pillar of ice exploded out of the body and enveloped the ground she'd just occupied. Oh. Crockett walked up to the ice, sniffed it, stepped back and then shattered it with a single swing of his axe. He grunted. Bernadette and Reichardt stared at the shards of ice scattered across the ground, one bewildered and the other beginning to regret his decision to join up. Cornelius Bass walked away, unable to wrap his head around this place. Shortly thereafter, Cornelius set up a campfire on the edge of the empty town, the smoke curling away into the air. The moon was a ghostly glow in the sky. Even the animals didn't break the night's tension with their calls. Crockett appeared in the small ring of firelight. Any others? Cornelius asked. The guide shook his head. Only one other set of footprints, but whoever it was took off, probably when we started fighting. We need to watch our backs tonight, Reichardt muttered. Cornelius piled blankets he'd raided from one of the houses around his daughter's shoulders. I'm fine, Dad. She grumbled as she pressed her fingers against the rough bandage under her shirt. You were lucky, he snapped. She rolled her eyes. The former sheriff turned to their colleagues. What are we up against? Crockett stared into the fire. Cannibals. Cornelius pressed his fingers into his temple, trying to fend off a headache. He turned toward Reichardt. Reichardt's expression remained unchanged. Crockett's probably right. He is? Bernadette choked on her hot cider. Well, between the ice garment and the weather phenomenon, I suspect we're dealing with December and that damn cult. Reichardt held his hands in the flames, keeping his metal joints from freezing. And they eat people? Bernadette asked, skeptical. Crockett hitched his thumb toward the torso now stuck in the pillar of ice that was once the ice garment. Dinner, she grimaced. Then her expression turned dark. Does that mean everyone in this town? Dinner, Crockett confirmed. Her voice became quiet. Even the kids? Crockett considered that. Dessert? Bernadette shuddered. Shut up, Crockett. Cornelius closed his eyes. He had to be pragmatic, but it made him sick. Are the people from Redemption still alive? Reichardt sighed. Maybe. Crockett mumbled, 
If they're saving them for later. I think I'm going to throw up, Bernadette said, looking green in the flickering light. Cornelius set his jaw. Where are they? Crockett waved toward the looming shadows of the Ten Peaks mountain range. How are you feeling? Cornelius studied his daughter. Fine. She struggled to hold down her stomach. Then, after staring at the fire for a moment, she continued. No, I'm not fine. Cannibals? Are you kidding me? Her eyebrows drew down in the same stubborn way her mother's did when she'd put her mind to something. She looked up at Cornelius. We have to save those people. Cornelius nodded. Tomorrow we find the people of redemption. He could not let this stand. Night, Crockett stood up and melted into the darkness. Reichardt looked at the claw protruding from his arm. I suppose I'll just leave this on then. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for part two of A Warm Welcome.